This is the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess, and we're munching our way into episode number 18. Welcome to the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast. The tips, tools, and straight talk you want for pregnancy, childbirth, and bringing up baby. And now your host, Kristen Burgess. Hi, this is Kristen Burgess from naturalbirthandbabycare.com, and I am happy to be bringing you episode number 18 of the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast. Today, I'm I'm excited because... First of all, this is, I think, the first podcast that I've recorded since Corwin was born that I don't have Corwin in my arms. I know that on the last podcast with Rowana, you could hear him through a lot of the podcast, and I felt really bad about that. Uh, but usually, I'm a mom, and, and I have to do what I can do, and usually that's recording while he's supposed to be sleeping, in theory. Tonight, he's with Daddy, so hopefully I'll get this podcast episode done with no giggles, coos, or babbling to interrupt for you. Also, I've got, there's so much going on behind the scenes at naturalbirthandbabycare.com right now. I really recommend that you keep an eye on the site. If you go to birthbabylife.com, then it will just redirect you to naturalbirthandbabycare.com. I have a big redesign coming. I think I've mentioned this in several episodes, and it's still not ready yet. And I keep promising in my newsletter that it's coming. And it really is coming. I can see it on my computer. It looks beautiful. I just don't have it live yet. But that's coming, and I'm hoping that that's going to provide a really streamlined experience for you. Um, But that's coming. Naturalbirthandbabycare.com's sister site, which is gettingpregnant.com, that's getting-pregnant.com, is also undergoing a redesign, and its new design is really a lot of fun, and I'm reorganizing a lot of the materials on that site, so if you're trying to conceive or if you're thinking about conceiving in the next year or so, that's definitely going to be a place where you want to take a look. Lots of informative articles there on natural fertility. Just there's so many big things going on there and with naturalbirthandbabycare.com and I'm really excited about getting those to you. One thing that I've gotten done in the past couple of weeks is a brand new book. It's a 49-page ebook called A Beginner's Guide to Preparing for a Natural Childbirth. And my hope is to have a domain that's going to direct right to that set up soon. I don't have that quite yet. But if you go to naturalbirthandbabycare.com right now and scroll to the very bottom of the page, you can click where it says free childbirth course. At the very bottom of the page, there's a link there. And when you sign up for the newsletter and the free childbirth course, you get that ebook, that 49 page ebook, uh, for free. And I'll also include that in the show notes so that you can get to it quickly. But it's really great. I've already gotten some great feedback on it. And when I asked you what you wanted to hear about on the podcast, even though I talk about birth a lot, I feel like I talk about birth a lot, uh, I was surprised how many responses I got for more about birth and especially that beginning initial just starting to think about how to prepare for childbirth. So the the PDF or the ebook is really, it's 
I think it's a good introduction to birth, and I'm going to cover some of those topics that you have asked about here on the podcast, of course, but I really put a lot of work into the book, and I'm really proud of it, so I would love for you to grab that. Again, I'll put it in the show notes um, for you to be able to get a quick link, but you can just go to naturalbirthandbabycare.com, and actually on the homepage, there's a place where you can click for the free newsletter, and uh, I think it's a little baby in the grass. It's a little button with a baby in a grass reading a book. If you click on that, that'll take you to it too. Um, just to sign up and, and, and you'll go directly to a page. As soon as you confirm that you, your email address is correct, you'll go to a page where you can download that. Okay. I have a couple of announcements that I wanted to make that are not related to my stuff, but are actually related to two podcasts. Both are pretty new on the scene and I'm really enjoying listening to both of them. I really enjoy podcasts. That's what made me decide that I wanted to do a podcast. A lot of the podcasts that I listen to are productivity podcasts and personal development kind of podcasts and some business ones. But these two are actually both in birth baby niches and they're both great. The first one is Andrea Olson's Go Diaper Free podcast. Andrea was with us on episode number three of this podcast, which you can get to by going to birthbabylife.com slash 003. But she's got her own podcast up and running now. I think she's got either three or four episodes live already. It's great. I'm really enjoying listening to it. It's all about EC, which is elimination communication, diaper-free questions, practical hints that you really need, uh, other potty training issues. Very good. I recommend you look for that. She's in the iTunes directory. Just search for Go Diaper Free. And then the other one is Indie Births podcast, and it's called Taking Back Birth, the Taking Back Birth podcast. They have three or four episodes up already too, and I am really enjoying this one. It's uh, very much talking about empowered birth or empowered choices in pregnancy and in birth. They've had some great episodes on prenatal nutrition, episodes on what all the prenatal testing and all the numbers that are involved with prenatal testing, what all of that means. And uh, and just a lot of, it's a lot of food for thought. The first couple episodes are about prenatal care and it will really make you think about prenatal care and about um, prenatal care is kind of an event in our society where you go and the doctor or the midwife does something and then you've had your prenatal care. But Marin on the Taking Back Birth podcast challenges you to think about how you're taking care of yourself because you're your primary care provider when you think about it statistically. It's really great. It's something that I talk about with my own childbirth class students and I, I love the approach that she's taken, and really enjoy listening to the podcast episodes. She's also in the iTunes directory. Just search for Taking Back Birth, and you'll find that. So the Go Diaper Free podcast and the Taking Back Birth podcast. I highly recommend both of those if you're pregnant or parenting now. Okay, our topic for today. We're talking about an initiation rite that every baby goes through. It's starting solids. I'm not going to get so much into the hows of starting solids in this podcast episode, though that is something I've been asked about, so I'll cover it in a future episode. But right now, I'm going to talk to you about a common first food. 
This first food is pretty ubiquitous in our society. Most babies get it, but it's actually not a good choice for a first food. And it could actually set your baby up for a lifetime of poor health, obesity, diabetes, and other problems like that. Let's dig into it. I'm going to start with an illustration. Picture with me for a minute. It's morning. You groan, roll over, try to pretend like the day isn't beginning. You're dreading today because today, like every day, you know you'll be facing your government ration. It's bland, colorless. Some days it's watery. Other days it's thick. They tell you it's for your own enjoyment. So you build up to new tastes. Sometimes they mix it with a liquid and request that you suck it down. It will help you sleep better, they say. At first, you looked forward to it. It was kind of new. It gave you a rush as soon as you had it. It didn't take long, however, to realize that you crashed and burned shortly after eating. You got sleepy, couldn't do anything. They assure you it's just your age. You're supposed to get sleepy and cranky. After all, when you graduate to better food, it will be healthy whole grains and they'll do the exact same thing. That doesn't sound very appealing, does it? Yet thousands, if not millions of babies face that same bowl or bottle of bland mush every day. Baby cereal. Especially rice cereal is the hallmark of first foods. At least it is for today's baby. But is it nutritious? No way! Rice cereal has almost no nutritional value. Most baby cereals have no nutritional value. In fact, they're actually harmful. They set your baby up for a lifetime of health problems. Despite attempts to fortify cereals with the nutrients that your baby needs, they remain a pretty poor filler that sits like a brick in your baby's tummy. White flours and white rice have very little nutritional value. Though there may be room for moderate nutrient-poor fillers like these when you're serving a holiday meal, growing babies and children don't really need them as part of their daily fare, and especially not their only fare. Children react really powerfully to food, especially to carbohydrate foods. The food, these carbohydrates cause blood glucose levels to spike, and then they subsequently crash. Children are really resilient. You most likely won't see problems with diabetes in your child. But blood sugar spikes send children on an energy rush that they learn to enjoy. Think about how many kids you know who will only eat carbohydrate-heavy foods like crackers, chips, fries, and breaded meats. When you think about it, you probably know a lot of them. They eat chicken nuggets and goldfish crackers, and maybe they'll eat a little bit of cheese. But what they really want are those carbohydrate foods. What goes up must come down. The same is true with your baby's blood sugar. Those crashes lead to tired, irritable, and cranky babies. And as your child gets older, the tantrums get worse. Food-induced tantrums are real. It keeps going until yet another carbohydrate-laden meal or snack is served to keep them up again. To stop that blood sugar crash. It's an up and down and up and down cycle that we put our children on. And most adults are on it too. 
Have you ever noticed that you get shaky after a while when you haven't eaten or you eat a heavy meal and then a little while later you feel like you're really crashing? You just, you can't stay awake? That's that same thing, that up and down and up and down from carbohydrate. And it's especially bad when meals are only carbohydrate. There's nothing else to balance them out, such as when a little baby gets only rice cereal. Obesity and fear are big factors behind all of this. Now there's a doctor that I really respect. His name is Dr. Alan Green. He's written several books on baby care and he has a big website. He's begun a campaign to end serving white rice cereal to babies. I'm going to link in the show notes to his white paper that covers this topic extensively so that you can read it for yourself because it's really great. Dr. Green notes the alarming rise of obesity even among very young children. And he points the finger, I think correctly, at nutritionally devoid foods like white rice as being one of the initial sources of the problem. Dr. Green feels like early training in bland and tasteless foods and blood sugar spiking foods set our children up for eating patterns that will harm them throughout their entire life. Now, humans enjoy sweet things. Breast milk is sweet. We're programmed that way from the womb. Even babies in the womb like sweetness. They like amniotic fluid when it's sweeter. They suck more vigorously. Prenatal studies have shown that. I've always thought that was pretty cool. But we humans have an inborn sweet tooth. But babies begin to develop other tastes quickly as they begin solid food. And again, actually babies develop tastes in the womb because just like you've probably heard that your breast milk takes on flavors from the foods that you eat, it's actually true that your amniotic fluid will take on a little bit of the flavor from the food that you eat while you're pregnant. So your baby uh, will get a taste of garlic or Italian or Mexican foods uh, or oriental spices. And so uh, it it's very reasonable to think that babies' tastes begin to be acquired even before birth. But especially as your baby begins eating solid food and as baby sees what you as mom and dad are eating and you decide, mom and dad, what you're going to feed your baby, you're helping your baby to acquire tastes and eating habits that will stay with him or her for life. Babies develop other tastes quickly when they start the weaning process, which is starting solid foods, even if you continue to breastfeed for uh, months or years thereafter, your baby is still starting weaning when you start solids. Repeated exposure to a family's favorite flavors teach babies and toddlers what tastes good. Isolating babies and toddlers from quote-unquote real tastes by feeding only processed cereals and then jarred graduate foods or even the newfangled specialized toddler graduate foods lead them to be hesitant and even fearful of real tastes or of new tastes, new real tastes. Children learn to reject food that doesn't have that same comforting, bland taste they're used to. In other words, crackers, chips, and breaded foods take the throne as the king of childhood tastes. I mean, how unnatural is it for little humans to be eating different food from the rest of the family, not just 
in the first couple of months, but for two and three years now, walk down any baby food aisle and you'll see all of the toddler and preschool meals and things. I mean, that's not because of need. That's because of marketing. And you as a parent deserve to know that and deserve to realize that. Your baby can, pretty much from the get-go, eat what you and dad are eating right at the table. It may need to be pureed. You may need to do single ingredients at first. Um, There are different schools of thought on that. And I'll do another podcast episode on all of that. But just know that it doesn't have to be these rows and jars of baby food for years on end. Okay, let's get back to cereals. As I said, you and your baby are hardwired to enjoy sweet things. In centuries past, sweets weren't so easy to come by. Sweet and starchy foods were enjoyed more in moderation. When starchy foods were eaten, they were actually often fermented so that they were easier to digest, and protein and fat was prized food. Having sweets day in and day out is not natural for the human body. Carbohydrates are sugars. All carbohydrates, even complex carbohydrates, are sugars. The human body eventually gets exhausted from having to handle the constant flow of sugar. It may not happen until your child reaches the age of 30, 40, 50, maybe 60. But eventually, the human body's metabolic systems begin to break down from years of abuse. What was hyperactivity, tendency to tantrums, inattention, and inability to work in school becomes lack of energy and an expanding waistline. Eventually, that gets worse and becomes diabetes, obesity, and a slow, painful decline to death. It is an epidemic in our modern world. It really is. It takes an intelligent and aware parent to stop it. You have to make choices in your parenting to stop this deadly trend before it begins for your child. So what should meals feature? Protein, healthy fats. Healthy fats can be designed or defined, excuse me. Healthy fats can be defined as fats that humans have traditionally eaten. So that would be olive oil, coconut oil, the fat that we get when we eat animal meats, full fat dairy, Those avocados, those are examples of healthy fats. If it's a fat that requires massive refining, chemical extraction, high heat extraction, in other words, uh, corn oil, soybean oil, all the oils that have been manufactured in the past few decades, those are not healthy. So you want healthy fats. Uh, Meals featuring protein and healthy fats nourish your child's brain and body. Meats are suitable even as a first food for babies. And I was shocked recently that Baby Center, or not Baby Center Magazine, um, American Baby Magazine or Baby Talk, one of those big baby magazines that gets sent to every new mother in the United States, even had a little blurb in the magazine about meat being a good first food. I actually put it on naturalbirthandbabycare.com's Facebook page, so I'll link to that post so that you can see it because... It's pretty cool to see that even the mainstream baby press, so to speak, is 
acknowledging that meats are an acceptable and even a good first food. Vegetables and moderate levels of starchy vegetables, like mineral and nutrient-packed potatoes and sweet potatoes, they provide taste, vitamins, minerals, and energy for rapidly growing children without taxing the body. And by properly preparing grains, in other words, following the models given by healthy ancestors, we can give our grains easy to digest, uh, well, we can make them easier to digest and give our children uh, easy to digest and flavorful foods. Serving these foods in moderation and as a complement to the life-giving protein and brain-powering fats in our meals is what gives our children lifelong health. Processed baby cereals are a tasteless induction to a life of poor health. I agree with Dr. Green's campaign. It's time to white out these pages of white, empty foods from our baby's first food lists. Okay, I am going to do a podcast episode where I talk more about options in starting to feed your baby Starting solids, there's theories like baby fit, baby lead weaning, um, pureeing, making your own baby food, what to feed, how much to feed. There are so many questions like that, and I'm going to do a podcast episode that covers some of them. I've also written extensively about healthy first foods, and I've done tons of recipes in there and divided them up by age in my book about feeding babies and toddlers, which is called First Bites and Beyond. So if you really want to dig into a lot of information about this, covering exactly what to feed, when to feed, different theories for feeding, what to do if you have a picky eater, what to do if your baby seems to have trouble with solids, because our fourth baby, Galen, really had a lot of trouble starting solids, and (laughs) he taught me a whole lot, which I incorporated into the book. Um, But that book really digs into how to give your baby a good, healthy start. And all my children, well, Corwin's still exclusively breastfed, but all my other children are great eaters. And I feel like through all the ups and downs with them and introducing foods to them, it's been a really educational experience. And I've pulled that all together into First Bites. And um, I'll pull that together more in podcast episodes. But I'll link to First Bites if you're interested in that. With that, if you enjoyed this podcast episode, please just take a couple minutes or even a few seconds to hop over to iTunes, leave me a rating. Uh, I would really like it if you took a couple minutes to write a review on what you liked. If you think I can improve, if there's something you'd like to see, please let me know. I would especially like to hear the topics that you're interested in. I can also link to the Facebook post where I asked for more topic ideas so that you can click right on that on Facebook and you can leave me your feedback there quickly and easily. Or you can always email me, Kristen, at naturalbirthandbabycare.com and let me know what topics you want to hear about because I want to make this show something that's really helpful for you while you're pregnant or while you're parenting your baby. With that, I hope that you have a great day and I will talk to you in a couple of weeks. Thanks for listening to the Birth, Baby and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess. For great resources and tons more info, visit www.birthbabylife.com. Visit www.birthbabylife.com.